0: The Google Podcast app is going away in April. Right now, I want you to take a look at the podcast app you're using right now. Maybe it's time for a new one. Check out podcastapps.com and try a new one for free right now. That's podcastapps.com.
1: You could call Jean-Marie Heimrath a Canadian podcasting pioneer. The president and CEO of the Podcast Exchange, or TPX, has grown the Toronto headquartered podcast monetization company into a Canadian leader in the space, boasting partnerships with global platforms like Acast, Wondery and Stitcher advertising arm Midroll. The company is making headlines again following Stingray's acquisition of a 30% stake in TPX. On this episode of Broadcast Dialogue, the podcast, Heimrath talks about the importance of not standing still organizationally, why all organizations should be planning for their post-COVID-19 rebound, and what the future holds for TPX.
0: My name is Jean-Marie Heimrath. I started in the, let's call it uh, the entertainment business. When I left the U.S. in 1966, I came to to Montreal and went to Loyola, which was part of the University of Montreal at the time. And I wanted to get into communication studies at Loyola, which was a, a... I would call it the beginning of the communications revolution that was happening everywhere, and Marshall McLuhan was very much part of that at the time. And, uh, you know, when I applied to Loyola, I think they admitted around 20 students a year into that faculty, and I was rejected. And I knew I wanted to be there. And I showed up the first day of registration having been rejected, thinking that someone is not going to show up, And I was right, someone didn't show up and I took their place. So that's how I got into the department. Uh, From there, you know, I spent uh, three years and, and graduated after three years with a degree in communication studies and was quickly asked if I wanted to go to France to work on France 3, which was a new television network based out of Grenoble. I went there, I spent close to a year in France. Uh, It was a very interesting experience, but it was certainly something that I wasn't terribly comfortable with. Uh, But, you know, you you go through it and you you learn a lot. And and coming back, it was a whole series of different things. But uh, I I guess where things started to get very interesting was when I was asked to come on board uh, to work with a production company called Love Production, which was started by Frank Davies. He was based in Toronto, still based in Montreal. And we had two labels. Uh, one was Island Records, which was clearly the vanguard in music. They were doing all sorts of things, and Daffodil Records, which was primarily focused on on domestic artists. Uh, Tom Cotton was actually one of the first. From there, A and M Records uh, were looking for a, a sales guy, uh, and I'm not really a sales guy because I really wanted to be in the marketing part of the of the of the industry. But you know, I guess the the whole idea at that time was. Uh, anyone who's in marketing has always done sales in some f- form or another. So I said, all right, I'm going to go do the sales and see how I do with that and see where that takes me. There was a pretty exciting uh, period at A&M Records. They had all sorts of interesting acts, uh, Supertramp being one of the, the primary ones, and there was a lot of acts that were actually broken in Canada before they were ever broken anywhere else. And it gave us quite the platform to, to sell in, and you know, a lot of it had to do with the artist. But nevertheless, you start building these relationships with buyers and radio stations and what have you, and of course, one thing leads to the next, and all of a sudden, I'm with Arista Records. It was part of Capitol Records at the time, Uh, and then Polygram comes around and uh, says, we need someone in Toronto, and I went to Toronto on on the promise, I guess, that I would only be there for a year, and of course, I'm still here. I think that, for the most part, uh, what I learned through not only the record industry but also the broadcast part of my career, was that I always got into these categories not because I knew anything about any of them in particular, but I think that it was the curiosity that drove me to those industries, Simply because I didn't know anything and you learn. And when you learn, you don't have any baggage with you, so you can kind of do anything you want. Some people get a little bit grumpy with you because you do things that is not the way they would do it. So, you know, from, from the record business to the broadcast business, I guess the most interesting part of the broadcast career was uh, working with standard broadcasting. And, you know, Gary Slate brought me on to head up the national radio network, at the time it was called SoundSource. I think today it's called Orbit Media, which is part of Bell Media. We played around with that idea, and, you know, it took about four years to get it to profitability. And you know, I was there, I spent 20 years at that particular position of running that network, and we really turned that thing into a powerhouse in Canada. I mean, it was a, it was a very exciting period. Uh, all sorts of people were with me. Leslie Soldat, who was uh, uh, second in command, she was very much a very big part of the success of that particular organization. Along with, you know, Gary, I have to give him credit, he gave me a lot of rope to hang myself. I almost did, but I got through part of that uh, whole experience at standard was that uh, we got involved with uh, a little idea at the time was called iceberg which turned into iceberg radio which was the first online radio stations in canada for that matter almost in north america or for let's call it the world because nobody even knew what streaming was yet after that you know I, i said all right well i think i've i've done enough. I think I'm gonna lay back and you know, let's call it retirement. I'm not sure what that means anymore, but and and stayed away for a couple of years after many different projects that I got involved with, which were gratifying. but when you're an independent, you don't own anything. You don't own the idea. From there, you know, I, I you know, I'm gonna retire. I was asked about a year and a half into that retirement thing, You know, someone says, well, you know, there's a guy that's trying to do something over here. I think that you might be really interested in it. And I'm going, "Eh, I don't know. It never really happened, but, you know, I just didn't feel right about it. So I walked away and it was a podcast kind of thing. You know, like uh, we're looking for a chief uh, content officer and, you know, I know I can do it, but I didn't want to do it. And again, Gary Slate, you know, who you know, we we had a, a, a remarkable career, or I've had a remarkable career with him. He says, "Look, if you decide you want to get into this, let me know, and I'd like to see a plan." And I said, "Fine." Several months later, after thinking about it and 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 researching it and talking to people and trying to understand where the hole is in this marketplace, what is really going on in this podcast category needs attention and no one's paying attention to it. Once again, curiosity kind of got to me again, and and it was, you know, there's enough content out there to sink a battleship or a fleet. You know, there's over 850,000 titles out there now. Uh, At the time, I think it was a half a million. And one of the things that was clearly obvious to me was there's these audiences that exist already in Canada, and no one's monetizing them. And I'm going, hmm, so if I set up a sales group or a sales house that can represent these audiences on behalf of publishers around the world, I think there might be a business there. And we played with it, and then we discovered that, you know, as we went around and uh, I spent a lot of time at the agencies trying to understand what they understood or didn't understand, and they didn't have a clue or very little understanding of the space. And at the same time it was going on, uh, Jeff Vidler and my partner, Jeff Olster were doing some research for the Globe and Mail on the, on the first landscape study, the Canadian podcast listener. And that revealed quite a bit of information about what's going on in this country and we were able to uh, have access to that uh, research and we said all right let's go to the agencies and start teaching them what this space is all about and that was you know people say well you're spending money on research and this you know well, yeah you can call it research or you can call it marketing I tend to call it marketing because if you're not prepared to support the space then you know you forget it you're not you're not going to be able to do anything your responsibility as a first mover advantage is to go out and teach people how it works and why they should get involved. And we spent, I think, uh, oh God, eight months uh, just going back and forth to agencies and, and, and uh, getting buyers and, and planners in the room to talk to them about the space. Eventually, uh, what was interesting through all that process is that you have questions in these presentations, and and. Uh, some of them says well do you have any products to, or any shows to sell we didn't have anything we, we just said all right well we're we're going to have that soon and of course we were i was working on that in the background anyway i mean uh you know to talk to an uh to uh, an industry that um th- uh, that didn't exist in canada uh, for all practical purposes, uh, and I didn't know anybody in the space, in the global marketplace. Uh, so you stumble and fall on your face a couple of times, and you get lucky a couple of times, and all of a sudden you you get a couple licensing deals done, and then one, one publisher notices what one pu- uh, publisher did with us, and then all of a sudden they jump on, so now, to a little over two years now we've been uh, operating. I would say that right now we're representing close to 100 million impressions a month in Canada. This is with most of the major publishers around the world. We're close to about 80% of the marketplace. Will that stay stable? Nothing is stable. <laughs> you know, things keep moving. So that's that was our core um, entry into the market. Let us set ourselves up as a company that is focused entirely on monetizing podcast we don't get involved with streaming we just focus on podcasts it's a very specialized area you know so two years into it of course there's all sorts of conversations is this enough does this work is this sustainable you know you realize after a certain point that if you stay in one place all the time and you're not moving then there's some danger there and We decided to pivot uh, late last year uh, to start introducing content development and production, addressing uh, a need in the marketplace where uh, brands and agencies are uh, being asked by their clients, uh, what's this thing about podcasting? Can we do something special? Can we do this? Can we do that? And of course, the answer is yes, you can. Uh, The question is how to do it and how do you scale? And this is a tough question in Canada because because the country is so small, uh, it's very, very difficult to to scale properly and to make sure that you have a margin uh, that allows you to keep expanding.
1: And this is where the Stingray deal comes in, Jean-Marie. Can you talk about that partnership?
0: I've been involved with, uh, for over a year, uh, trying to figure out how do I bring new money into the company so we can actually, in fact, start these new initiatives. Um, and fortunately, um, we've teamed up with uh, a very interesting partner, Stingray. They have expertise that we don't have. Uh, they have scale that we don't have. And I think all these things, when you put them together, uh, works for everybody, not just Stingray, but the entire broadcast community. So you know, th- these are areas that we all have to get into, whether we want to or not, because the world is moving, uh, and and your audiences are not in one place anymore. And this this is a, this is a space where the sweet spot is a 31 year old male, and that's a tough audience to find and to keep. And they're gravitating towards podcast, and it's growing. The agency world and 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 brands are starting to embrace it twofold already. Uh, within the two years, we've seen our our, our revenues triple. With uh, Stingray's uh, investment in the company, it'll certainly help us. Uh, move that pivot much quicker. It also allows us to uh, focus on Canadian production. We just had a recent signing with uh, Terry O'Reilly, who is has championed uh, the, the show Under the Influence on the CBC. Uh, his new show, We Regret to Inform You, is going to be launched. I believe uh, you guys did a recent podcast with him as well. We're very excited about uh, getting that going. And, and I think that uh, I've been known to say this. People kind of look at me funny when I say this. but And this is not a huge departure from what I did in the past. It's uh, I want to bring the world to Canada. Uh, now it's I want to bring the world to Canada and Canada to the world. So we want to be able to take what we do in this country and be in a position to export that to the world because we do have a story. And sometimes we're a little shy to tell it tell the world what our story is. And I think this gives us an opportunity to do that. And that's really part of the mission that I've been pushing for about two years. I think people are starting to to buy into it a little bit. It's somewhat aspirational, but I I really believe that. I mean, I wasn't born in Canada, but it's my home. It's been my home for close to 40 years. And I think that, um, you know, I I think we we can't be shy about it. We got to We got to go and tell the world what we're doing. And sometimes we're a little afraid, but we can't be afraid. We just have to go. And if we fall on our face, we fall on our face. The best thing to do is get up and do it again until you get it right.
1: So let's talk about the unknowns, Jean-Marie, because the entire business landscape is undergoing some major disruption. You know,
0: as someone asked me this morning, so what are you going to do, you know, this pandemic? And I said, look, you can't you can't control the pandemic to, to the degree that you'd like to. I mean, it is what it is. It's going to happen, but, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing, but also focus on your recovery plan now, not when it's time to recover, but before you have to recover, because you need to go in with a plan. No one can single out any particular industry. Everything will be affected by it. Everything. You know, you go to a store and you want to buy toilet paper, you, can, you know, there's a run on toilet paper. <laughs> really? There is. So I'm going, oh, boy, here we go. I mean, you know, it, it is what it is, uh, you know, but, yeah, you have to, you can't ignore um, what's going on around you. You really have to be, I mean, everybody thinks everything is great. and No, it's not great. Uh, and I, I don't want to throw cold water on everybody's enthusiasm, but I want you to understand that this is going to have an impact on us and everybody else. So what is your recovery plan? How are you going to recover? Let's suppose that this thing comes under control, hopefully, you know, within three to, f- three to six months, hopefully. How are you going to recover in the last two quarters? What's the plan? What is your cancellation policies? What is, you know, all these questions that come up that need to be reviewed and have a clear understanding that the same message goes out by everybody. You can't have 20 different messages. And that was all, as a matter of fact, as early as today, this morning, that's exactly what we went through. said, okay, this is happening. This is probably what's going to impact on us on a negative basis. But also there's a positive here. Be prepared for what's going to come and what you're going to do about it. You know, I'm being very cautious. Our people, actually, uh, my partner Jeff was supposed to go to New York tomorrow. He's canceled. Uh, We were supposed to have meetings with um, hot dogs uh, for another project. We canceled. They actually canceled. They said, look, let's do this virtually. I said, fine. I mean, everybody's... I think you know they're taking this seriously and you know as soon as I'm done this I'm back home again
1: mm-hmm. I I want I want to talk a little bit more about monetization because there's an ongoing discussion about how, far behind the US Canada is if 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 the overall advertiser spend was valuated at 700 million last year on podcast advertising where's Canada in that equation
0: well this year uh, 2020 they're expecting a billion dollars this is a US projection Canada is a probably about two and a half to three years behind Normally, one would look at the numbers and say, okay, Canada represents 10% of America. Well, yes, but not in this particular case because you have to take into the equation. You're three years behind. You're still uh, starting from zero uh, because advertising agencies and clients are just beginning to embrace the whole idea. I would say that the Canadian market in podcasting, I'm not talking about streaming, just podcasting, I would think uh, is probably in the area of this year, probably 4 to $5 million. Uh, you know, it could be more, it could be less. Uh, you know, there's many different players doing different things, and it's it's difficult to, to count things because some people are selling streaming and podcasts, and then they, they throw all the numbers in one bucket, and you can't figure out what's what half the time. So I think that, you know, we're clearly around three years behind the market has tripled for us in two years. By the end of, say, 2022, the business will be anywhere between uh, 10 to $15 million, something in that area.
1: We've seen a number of Canadian podcast companies have really good success on the production and branded content side, but TPX is still kind of standing alone on the monetization front. Is that because... People don't know how to scale Canadian content, as you mentioned.
0: Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, if, if uh, on the content side, clearly, um, you know, I have a great deal of respect for Pacific content, which Rogers bought about a year ago. You know, they do incredible work. The content side is, is, you know, is is alive and well, uh, particularly in the U.S. and that's where Pacific Content's focus is. It, it's a much, it's easier to scale in the U.S. just simply because you know there's more people. Uh, in Canada, a little bit different. The monetization part of it, the branded content thing, is about. It's not about selling advertising, it's an underwriting proposition. Dell, which has uh, pivoted their business to more of a solutions-based company versus being a a manufacturer of computers, they've done this incredible uh, show called uh, Trailblazers, which is remarkable, it's an incredible show. I asked Chris Boyce once, I said, so what does this cost? And he says a thousand dollars a minute. Going <laughs> yikes, you know. But that that's the full package. You get everything, everything from production to consulting to social media to to marketing. You name it. It's it's the whole bowl of wax, and it's worth every penny of it. In Canada, that's a little bit more difficult because those budgets don't exist in Canada. It's too small. However, you know, having said that, people that are trying to sell podcast uh, things that they produce. Saying well, we got a great audience. I said, well, tell me what the audience is, and they'll say something like, you know, five thousand a month, uh, five thousand downloads a month, or twelve hundred, you know, downloads. Typically, people don't pay attention to that. That it's, it's, it's uh, and it has nothing to do with whether it's a good podcast or not. It's it's about uh, scale, and and agencies typically look at or brands typically look at podcasts or shows that are delivering at least. 75,000 downloads a month, which makes it a little bit more uh, palatable and also uh, you can aggregate many different kinds of shows together and have the scale in order to, to get on the buy.
1: How many Canadian podcasts would have that many downloads? I know you've had success with getting some Canadian podcasts distributed abroad, notably Canadian True Crime.
0: Yeah, Christy. Yeah. yeah,
1: How many downloads or weekly listens does it take for you to get interested in a Canadian podcast?
0: We'll start paying attention to things that have, we'll start paying attention doesn't mean we'll do anything. Because uh, you know it's 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 always very difficult to get these things in front of people. Fifty to seventy-five thousand a month, generally that's that's where it starts. I mean, the interest starts at fifty, and of course, if we can put it into a collection, in other words, we'll take many different shows. And curate those those shows in, and present it as as a as a buy that's focused on a particular genre or focused on a particular demo, you know. So it depends on, on what the, the objectives are of the client. So you know, Christy uh, Dow, who does Canadian true crime, you know, I saw the numbers this morning. It's eight hundred thousand a month worldwide. So that's that's significant. Uh, the CBC uh, has some big numbers. In Canada, Canada Land, I think, is doing okay. I'm not certain of all what you know, everything, but it's not bad. Terry O'Reilly, for example, under the influence, does I think something near about two hundred thousand uh, in the U.S. In Canada, I think it's a little bit more than that, only because it's you know Terry's well known from his CBC work.
1: So what does the future hold for TPX, Jean-Marie, because you mentioned not standing still? Uh, I think we're going to continue
0: to pivot. I mean, I you know, I, I told Jeff, my partner, in the beginning, I said, whatever you see today will be entirely different by the end of the year. And after that, it'll be different again. And a different. Year. it keeps moving. I think that we will continue to be a great sales house that can monetize things and do it well. Uh, the relationships that we have with agencies and clients is is second to none, in my opinion. They trust us. Uh, we've given them information that is valuable to them, and I think that has given us almost instant credibility to share information for the reasons that uh, you know will pay out much later. So it's first support the industry, then by doing that you support yourself. Uh, I think that will continue unabated. I, I think that more and more publishers will come on board because they recognize our capability and trust us. The second part is the, and this is the new initiative of uh, uh, content production and development. We think there's an enormous opportunity in Canada to talk to brands about uh, different ways of communicating to their constituents or or their publics or their customers, not only from selling products and and selling uh, services, but also the whole notion of how do you communicate with your employees in big companies. And we think that internal podcasts will become very important. Employees need or want or need to be you know inspired. And, and I think that's, that's gonna be a growth area, I believe, as well as just simple underwriting interesting stories about, uh, I mean, we have three in the pipeline already. I mean, you know, they'll take six to eight months before they actually surface. But, you know, the, the ideas are, are real human ideas. Um, you know, there's nothing like a human story. And these sometimes these stories are very inspirational. I mean, Terry's new show is all about being rejected. You know, after 31 rejection letters, all of a sudden you get accepted by someone and all of a sudden you become a hero. <laughs> you know, so... Through diversity and everything else, and these are the stories that inspire people to do better to you know to not sit back and and, and uh, give up, but to really get out there and and uh, you know do it. And I think that this particular space might be part of the it's not the exclusive answer, but part of the answer to help companies communicate better with their employees and and, and make the workplace a little bit more enjoyable instead of being in a factory.
1: Is there a note you want to end on?
0: Oh, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I, I, Well, let's put it this way. I'm very optimistic about the future of this uh, space. It's not, it's not going to take anything over, but it's going to uh, be able to uh, tap a marketplace that is asking for this and they are consuming it at a greater degree than ever. And, and I think that's going to continue to grow. This is what, Keeps me up, well, it keeps me up at night, and it gets me up in the morning really early because I want to get to it immediately because there's so much work to be done. And I and I actually get up and I'm loving it. Sometimes I have to take a nap because I'm exhausted, but I'm very very optimistic about um, you know where we're going. I know there's bumps in the road. There always is, and startups are really tough uh, because you're dealing with all sorts of things all the time. But you know this is not the first time I've been here, and I. Sometimes you forget how difficult it can be, but I'm good with it, I'm, I'm happy. I've always, I've always lived in this kind of a world anyway, and, and I'm, I think that uh, I'm a lucky guy because I've been able to experience all this and have come out with uh, some great, resu- I think great results for, for not only myself, but for everybody around me, and, I, and I'm you know, uh, always uh, grateful uh, the people that are around me that make each one of us successful. Uh, in what we do. And that's the best reward anyone could ever have.
1: Thanks so much for joining us.
0: Uh, My pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening to Broadcast Dialogue. For more information about the podcast or to receive exclusive access to our weekly briefing about the Canadian media industry, visit us at broadcastdialogue.com. Don't forget to like us on Facebook, connect with us on LinkedIn, and follow us on Twitter and SoundCloud.